Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Talk, the first online radio show about call centers. Our topic today is how current economic conditions are affecting call centers. During the show, we invite you to email questions into calltalk at benchmarkportal.com or call us at 347-857-3117. This information is also on your browser. Now I'd like to introduce you to the host today, Bruce Belfiore, CEO of Benchmark Portal. Thanks very much, Sean, and hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to our first call talk. Uh, really a pleasure to be here, and it's my pleasure also to introduce Drew Phelps of Chicago, a uh, valued colleague for the last decade, a call center expert, author, advisor, frequent speaker at industry events. She's also a distinguished alum of, uh, of Purdue University, where, in fact, Dr. John Anton first introduced us at Matthews Hall way back in the year 2000. Drew? Thanks, Bruce. Well, our topic today about contact centers in today's economy, there is no doubt I see a shift in call center service to the customers. Uh, most businesses are going through change. That's an evident fact, but we've seen some positive signs. So I want to hear from all of you today, particularly to talk about strategies to survive and hopefully thrive in today's environment in 2009. Now, in today's talk, there's three topics we could, ta we could tap into and invite your questions in open mic. As Sean told you, please be available to um, respond to BenchmarkPortal.com. The three topics are people, right-sizing, make sure your center meets your volume needs. Number two, process, how are you handling those contacts? Remember, less can give more. And number three, cost. We all need to optimize for the most efficient cost savings. So here I'd also like to add a fourth, take care of yourself as managers, we know the pressure is not only on your shoulders and you're not alone. So thanks for joining our community. First, Bruce, could you tell us a little bit about your research that you've done specifically this year from call centers in North America? Yeah, Drew, there's uh, been a lot of travel, a lot of research in this past year of economic turmoil, and we've really seen some, uh, some difficult things going on in our industry. Uh, I participated in a webinar recently with uh, Chad McDaniel of McDaniel Executive Recruiters and Catherine Jackson of uh, Response Design Corp. Uh, a survey was held and showed that 85% of our colleague managers said they felt negative impact due to the current uh, economic situation, 85%. And about 65% felt uh, major pressures on operating costs, and almost 40% saw negative impact on employee satisfaction and customer satisfaction. These are major and very, very uh, serious numbers for our study, uh, for our, our sector, really. And uh, striking both from the study and from the visits uh, that I've had and the talks that I've had with call center managers is that there's a lot of stresses and strains, fewer resources, and, and also, of course, the morale problems that come along with uh, seeing your center have job cuts and budget cuts. So uh, one of the, the conclusions from this is that really you managers are on overload. Uh, fearful about jobs of your people, uh, fearful in some cases about your own jobs. And here we hope to have uh, somebody on in the near future who's actually uh, been downsized, uh, come through it, come through the other end, and is now uh, in a very good position, uh, just to give everybody some hope out there. And, and in many cases, there's a lot of moving parts and unreasonable expectations that are put on call center managers. Uh, and so there's a search for the tools, the technology, and in particular, the expert support uh, to guide people through. And, and also, one of the things that we're particularly interested in is understanding the metrics 
that can help you through and, uh, and how to use them. Uh, verticals that have been affected that we've seen include a lot of uh, the verticals, financial services, uh, travel, utilities, uh, really hit home when a financial services firm that uh, had been certified uh, five years in a row called and said, well, we might not have budget this year to certify again. Now, ultimately, they did find the budget, but that was kind of a shocker. Uh, practical ways to address this, uh, there are. There are really good ways that people are not sitting around wringing their hands, but actually standing up and doing something, uh, how to do more with less. Uh, in many cases, people are learning, sometimes for the first time, to identify the value they bring to their company, even in uh, down times, uh, the metrics that contribute most heavily to that value, and uh, finding improvement initiatives that represent the least cost for the biggest return. So if you do that, and you do the numbers, and you execute really well, then profit your success, uh, you can show your, uh, your center how you can balance quality and cost and be a winner and not a victim. A uh, number of uh, good stories that you know, I've seen on this include one where, for instance, um, uh, you know, the, the human side of all this are people who have found ways to improve their metrics. In one situation, uh, how many out there have heard, uh, get your handle time down, huh? Is that a biggie? Get that handle time down. Well, there was one situation where in order to maintain really good relationships with a uh, client, uh, they felt they needed to keep, not, not put pressure on their people for handle time, but they had a very responsible workforce. My advice to them was simply tell your people that this is a needed a necessity for your metrics and for your organization, and give them examples of calls where people have been able to uh, cut a call shorter without damaging the relationship and say, give this a try. We're not going to put pressure on you. We're asking you to give this a try, and we're going to be following the markets, uh, the, the metrics on a daily and weekly basis. And, and it worked. Uh, in fact, people rose to the challenge without feeling the kind of um, uh, negative pressure that uh, people feel in the situation where it's simply an edict. You have to get your, your, uh, your handle time down. So uh, with that, maybe we can uh, go to the first call. Drew, uh, did you have anything to add to that? Um, I don't. I have an additional story. We're waiting for the call callers to come through right now. Um, I, I agree with you that the calls are starting to either expand or contract. So another sense for the people is, you know, don't allow the stress and pressure to kill. Look at the volume. What are your calls? What number of calls are coming in? Now, ironically, in this kind of environment, Bruce, I think you and I have talked about there's actually more calls coming into a call center because people, consumers out there, are confused. They want to know about their products and services. So what are your thoughts on expanding um, call center and more need for call center reps and agents? Well, that's an interesting uh, point because I was interviewed uh, last week by the Roanoke Times in Virginia, and the uh, fellow who did the interview said, hey, with what's going on here, the rest of the economy seems to be going down, and yet we're seeing uh, robust employment on call centers. What's happening with call centers? Well, when I explained to him that, number one, call centers represent more than 3% of the, uh, the, the working population employment in North America, he was kind of shocked that it was that high. I mean, we're just a huge part of the economy, guys, and we should recognize our importance to the economy. And uh, secondly, there's a couple of things going on, uh, including the fact that in this downturn, 
there are a number of enterprises who've understood that they have to give customer service in order to survive and to try to, to uh, leverage their situation in this environment. And, and there's also one other thing going on through this kind of interesting, and that is that uh, there's a certain amount of um, political pressure as well that's working in favor of uh, bringing uh, jobs back to North America in some cases or creating them and keeping them here. Uh, there's one financial institution that we've worked with for many years uh, that was totally independent a year ago <laughs> before the meltdown. And uh, now they're going to be bringing back uh, a good number of jobs to the United States, in part because they're, uh, they're owned by the U.S. government, essentially, and, and they feel that it's the appropriate thing to do at this point. So uh, there's, there's a number of, of uh, you know, contributing factors. It's not one thing. But uh, in our sector, uh, there is a, uh, uh, you know, a number of factors that are contributing to uh, employment being very good in certain areas. Okay, I think we have a caller coming in now. Can I open the mic, please, and give us your name, company, and city, and the question or comment that you have? We'll give it a five-second connection time here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll add a comment to Bruce's while we're waiting for that connection to come through. Um, I'm also seeing some of the centers are being smaller and specific um, when they're hiring people, and of course some are downsizing and becoming more specific to the need. Um, for example, um, I had uh, one that was looking at. Um, um, routing the right people in smaller centers, I, I mean something that's less than 30 seats. Uh, what they find out, that gathering the correct information, having that information, and on the customer is absolutely critical. Now, you mentioned financial and utility companies. A lot of people are feeling the squeeze there in that business line. So, therefore, their customer service areas are becoming more targeted and focused. So, what I find is that the callers and the agents uh, really have to have a good interaction. That agent needs to very quickly to address that handle time issue, um, bring them on, identify that need very quickly. If you identify the need in the first 20 seconds of your call, the agent owns that call. So therefore, you can do your problem solving very briskly and then get to first call resolution at the end of that. That makes customer relations very critical. Having information about that caller, if you're in a utility firm, finding out when they made their last payment, getting the answer to them. That's critical when it comes to agents and agent retention and so forth. So the few staff that you have in a small center, whether you're reducing or expanding your staff and upscaling and getting more people to answer your calls, in other words, the agents, make sure they have the knowledge about the customer right at hand so they can identify that need, go quickly to the right screen, and get them the appropriate answer. Do not, do not transfer. <laughs> that seems to be the uh, the uh, weakest point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have another uh, question. Uh, Sean, are we able to get a uh, uh, a call? I understand there's one that's on. We just can't quite hear the person again. Okay. Well. Um, yes, I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're hoping to be able to talk to them. Um, can can you can you hear us, caller? I guess they can talk, hear us, but we can't hear them. So uh, while uh, we're working on that 
technical problem there. But let me just bring up one other thing, and that has to do with the self-service slash IVR component in today's economy. Uh, one of the things that I've found time and again is that oftentimes the IVR self-service component is not optimized. And there's some really good things that people could use uh, and uh, don't, uh, and in many cases because they've sort of gotten used to what they have. And one of the things I'd encourage everybody to do, if you haven't done it recently, is to go through all of your IVR, go through all of your 800 numbers, first of all, all of your call-in numbers, make sure you understand exactly what they say, and uh, go through all of the routing, and do some analytics with regard to whether those routing, uh, routing patterns are optimized or not. I remember uh, just about a year ago going into a call center and going through this exercise with a call center manager who was kind of red-faced at the end of it, and admitted she hadn't listened to them for probably 18 months to two years. Um, important to do that because things change and uh, needs change. And the more that you're able to optimize that, the more you might be able to squeeze the extra 5%, uh, 6 7% efficiency out of your call center without the pain that comes with uh, some of the other things that you have to do in order to get efficiencies out of your center. So next to that, uh, IVR, look to that, uh, uh, to, to be able to do that. Okay. Um, I see a caller coming in, Bruce, and they may have a question on people, process, or cost. Open mic. Caller from Colorado. Caller with a 303 area code, can you hear us? Well, the Rocky Mountain High, I guess, isn't coming through here. <laughs> Let's try another caller from Connecticut. Okay, my home state. Caller with a 203 area code. Can you hear us? Hmm. Okay, and Sean, there's nothing that Drew or I need to do. Is that correct in terms of pushing buttons or anything? No. Does the okay. caller need to press number one to be into the host mode? If not, if you'd like to type us their question, that's that's more than uh, admirable. We can answer the questions by typing them over to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, in, the mean, in the meantime, I do have one. You talked a little bit about IVR and routing and so forth. Self-service. I visited the center last week, and it was just amazing. It was similar to the old center called the GE Answer Center, where you really do have the knowledge and information. So this is under the header of process. And um, the customer seeks knowledge. That's what we know. They really want some good information. This was on a, a cell phone center. So they were calling in, trying to find out about a phone, but you really don't know it until you see it, touch it, taste it, and feel it. So then they need to get cell phone service. Well, the agent was trying very, very hard to retain this customer when their customer had a, a situation. So they've opened a mobile phone center, both in retail, web, and the call center, that all three of those type of agents know the exact same knowledge. So the actual call rep was able to go on the web, tell the person where to look on the website to identify what phones they wanted and identify what programs they wanted. So there was a great deal of knowledge transfer being done, both visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically, if they walked into a center. Um, they also asked for their area code and zip codes and 
could tell them where there was a center in their city to actually go try out the phone usage. But the agent also had them as a solution tied into what the payment plans were going to be. So I think this is using our social medias, our web medias, to really engage those calls to be a good contact. Um, now, the net of all of that is that everyone in this economy wants to retain customers. Every single person does. So the more touch points that you can have engaged to help that agent, and the more you can skill your agent up on what the website has to offer, um, that would be an excellent, excellent way to both be efficient and effective in serving the public and serving your consumers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, those are great points, great points. And actually, it, it ties, too, into the, uh, the process that goes into technology part of all this, too. And if I could mm -hmm. just uh, fill in here for a second, uh, you know, it, it's a great time to buy technology if you have some budget. Uh, and also, technology has gone down in price because the vendors are so desperate in some cases. Uh, that you may find that substituting something new actually costs you less on an ongoing basis than really what you have right now. Uh, there's a lot of people who automatically budget in for some very, very expensive legacy systems, and, and they might be much better to actually, uh, you know, uh, take that old man river and uh, turn into something that looks a little bit younger. Uh, voice technology is so important. It's important to think in terms of, you know, do I want, uh, the uh, kind of technology that is uh, multiple point or all in one. There's some very interesting basic uh, platform things to think about here. And, and we now have the hosted technology that allows folks in some cases to say, okay, well, I'm going to, um, you know, go to uh, a technology where I just have to get on the Internet and somebody else is going to take care of all that software for, for me and the upgrades, et cetera. And I'll just be able to, you know, uh, leverage off of that. So uh, in some cases, people can, can actually end up in tough times getting better service with less money, which is what, you know, new technology is all about after all. Um, uh, one other thing on the technology side is the, the fact that uh, many people had thought that all-in-one meant all at once. And so they felt, you know, if I can't get it, uh, all together and do it over a weekend, then I can't have uh, an all-in-one platform if, if that's the best thing for me. And in fact, we did a, a research study that showed that that's in fact not the case, that you can migrate to all-in-one over time if that's what you want to do, and you can do it very effectively. So um, that, that's a little bit on technology. Great, great. Okay. I also um, had one on... Um, uh, on the uh, IVR situation, whereas, um, you know, everybody that I talk to when I'm traveling says, oh, I hate that front entrance of an IVR. So really, really stop, take a minute, listen to the first two minutes of what a con customer is actually hearing in your call center. Is it engaging? Is it inviting? Is it easy? One of the biggest things we see in customer satisfaction is, how easy is it for me to reach you? And if I'm pressing a lot of buttons, that may be very difficult. So we don't maybe need the new technology, but just go through that experience and see what your front-end IVR is like. Is there an opportunity for me, the customer, to actually self-serve myself? I mean, take your full volume of calls that are now starting to pour in to find out more information, and as they go through the routing system, find out where they're routing to. And really look at that and say, we need to skill more agents in that area, or we need to give them the self-service option, such as, when was your last payment? 
Now, that's a one-way piece of communication. That's easy to self-serve. Your last contact with a payment from us was paid on June 12th. Okay? So, I mean, those are simple things. Uh, maintain privacy if you're in the insurance or in the um, healthcare area, in the banking areas. But make it easy. Make it easy for them in the self-service. Anything else on technology? Um, well, I think uh, you know. Basically, basically, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff out there. Uh, you keep in mind that the vendors really are looking for business. You want to make sure you stay with a vendor who's going to be there to serve you. But there are a lot of good, reputable ones out there that can give you some good things. So uh, you know, you, you might want to check that out because it might both help you out on the off side and in terms of the financial side. So. That's good. Um, actually, we just got a question, um, and the, it has to do with, okay, uh, you guys said at the beginning that uh, you need, we need to take care of ourselves, personally and professionally. What do you have in mind there? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, this comes back to issues such as the work-life balance that's so hard to do in our sector uh, because there's always continual pressures on the business side. But, in fact, if we're going to be effective, uh, and I've seen this time and again, those people who can keep the work-life balance are going to be most effective and most efficient overall going forward. And um, one of the big things that folks who succeed at this do is find ways to not feel alone, okay? <laughs> find ways to, to not feel like, they're not only misunderstood by the people that report to them, but also by the people who they report to, et cetera, et cetera. They find ways to connect internally and externally so that they feel like they're part of something that's not just always getting dumped on, but in fact has infinite possibilities, as our sector does. Uh, ways that you can do that, or actually you're doing that right now. Uh, and if we could get these questions through, you'd be able to participate online. But that, it's exactly the idea behind call talk is to make sure that you stay connected, are able to ask questions, and able to participate in the, uh, in the dialogue. Um, find other ways of doing it, other venues. If you have local groups, uh, call centers, uh, attend them, go to them. Make sure that uh, you find the budget so that you can, in fact, get that half day away from the office and talk with other folks. Uh, training, uh, don't slash that training budget. Uh, away, okay? It may have to be reduced, but find a way to uh, involve yourself in training, and training that particularly involves interaction with your peers. Um, one of the things that Drew and I both do is to, uh, is to teach, and uh, I'm the dean of the College of Call Center Excellence, and I was teaching our leadership course to call center managers not that long ago, and there was some guy in the, in the class who was kind of annoying me because he was, you know, I could see him texting under the desk continually during the class. So when the break came, I went over to him and I said, hey, Bob, uh, can I just ask you about this texting? And he said, Bruce, he says, this is the most, and I was kind of annoyed with him. Well, in fact, he has a big smile on his face. He says, Bruce, this has been fantastic for me. I've gotten so many good ideas, not only from you, but from the other people in the class, that I've been texting them all to my people in the call center so they can implement it immediately. <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> kind of took the wind out of my sails in terms of the irritation, but made me feel a lot better about what they were getting out of the, uh, uh, of the event. And in fact, uh, when you're with people who are sharing experiences 
And when you're with the facilitators who are very intent on making sure that you have uh, what I call takeaways, that is to say things that you can actually bring back to the center and usefully uh, put into action to help your situation and the situation of your center, then uh, you're not doing something uh, that's playing hooky. Uh, you're not uh, taking your, your eye off the ball. You're, in fact, going to end up uh, benefiting your center. And if any of you have a boss who needs to be convinced about that, just have them call me a group. <laughs> <laughs> let's try another caller because I love these ideas in action. So let's find out uh, if there's any more questions or callers come in. Open mic. We have a caller from Connecticut, 202 area code. <clears throat> Go ahead and talk, caller. What's your question? All right, we also have an email question that came in um, from Justine at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, how do we keep good agent retention when tough calls are coming in? Wow. Mm. Hey, agent's my game. <laughs> I'll take the first crack at that one. You know, I find the best people are actually having to do more work. Um, we've all been in that scenario from the management, executive level. More work is piled on us in these tough times. So you really want to retain those best, best agents. Um, one of the first things that we do is, as a benchmark or as a metric, do something called an agent satisfaction study. Um, this can be a simple, you know, line of questioning. We have one that was built up to uh, 18 different competencies and, and criteria of what est estimates this is the best place to work. I want to stay here forever. So some of the things that I started to see about that agent satisfaction is really getting the feedback and, as Bruce was saying, put those ideas into action. If your agents are telling you, for example, on the one study I'm looking at right this minute, they said, my workload is unreasonable, and that got a low score. Um, we don't get together, or do we get together and discuss tough calls? And the score was low. Well, if you're really finding that, and I love doing these kind of feedback studies from a third party, because you may not tell your supervisor that they're not giving you feedback. So when we find out something like that, gee, you're not getting together in round, round tables to discuss tough calls. Why are you having staff meetings? Now, maybe you should have a five-minute stand-up meeting every morning and say, how did you handle the toughest call yesterday? I had a utility firm who was actually having tough, tough calls in, in this crisis, and we gave everybody sticky pads and said, write down your best solution of how you turned a tough, customer, tough question around on a call. And please, when you take a break, go put them on the refrigerator in the, in the break room. Anybody then who needed a little break during the day from taking tough calls would go into that refrigerator room, get a soft drink, and start to look at some ways that people soften those tough questions, like, I'm leaving you. I can't afford to make my payment to this utility. Um, you know, what are you doing and so forth. So you saw the answers right then and there. This starts your knowledge base. So there's a lot of easy, less is more, that we can do to really give then kudos to the best, best agents who are giving the best, best solutions to our customers. Yeah. So that's, a, that's one of my final tips on cost, process, and people. Um, any final callers or questions, Sean? We have one final caller. One final okay. caller. Uh, <clears throat> caller, you're on the air from an 877 area code. Please. <laughs> go ahead and speak. Anyone who's called in, go ahead and speak. You're on the air. I guess we uh, don't have any final questions. 
Maybe we'll have a lot of written questions after the call. We'd be happy to address those. Yeah, and actually, Bruce, to, final thoughts? Uh, yeah, just a final thought on what you were just talking about, uh, Drew, because I think it's so important. And one of the things that uh, best agents or just agents in general need is uh, support. Uh, call center uh, sector is known for, in best practices, call centers creating a, a near family feeling among the people. And, and for that, and specifically to your question uh, from Blue Cross Blue Shield, is uh, having a feeling of support in terms of the uh, call center actually supporting you with those tough calls. And you should get supported in, in two ways. One is the attaboys, obviously, in terms of uh, being able to uh, when a real tough call comes through, and uh, particularly in the healthcare or uh, uh, life insurance sector, you hear some really tough calls. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, to to provide that personal support, but also to uh, do more than that, and to to have available sample calls that that uh, demonstrate best practices. So, in other words, how did the person who who faced a similar call respond to it in a way that really worked in terms of the client uh, or customer? and really worked in terms of the other goals of the call center and also the emotional uh, energy and, and well-being of the, the agent. And so finding those nuggets and using them uh, is, is something that call centers can do. So, uh, and, and obviously, if you have a situation where there's, you're able to show a, a difficult call that uh, had a good resolution and then also had a good customer satisfaction score on top of it, then you've really got a triple play there, which is uh, very, very powerful for your people. And makes them feel empowered. If I can do this, then I can handle my job. Back to you, Sean. Well, this is Drew. I'm going to sign off and just say thank you. It's been my pleasure to talk to you. My biggest thing is put some of these ideas in action. Bruce, I chatted down about 12 great ideas from today's topic. And in two weeks, we'll have some more topics to vote on. And I'll be back then. My name is Drew Phelps, and it's been my pleasure. Sean? Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining our first radio show, Call Talk. Uh, come back and join us in two weeks on August 5th at same time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time for our next show. You can also vote on the next topic. Uh, if you're logged in, you can see where you can vote. We'll also be sending an email to everyone that joined today. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.